This is 89.3 KPCC, Pasadena, Los Angeles, the public service of Pasadena City College, a global community college for the 21st century. Learn more at Pasadena.edu. From the Moan Broadcast Center, I'm KPCC's A. Martinez. And I'm Susan Carpenter with the Orange County Register. Ciclavia comes to Pasadena. And we're celebrating with a special hour that's all about bikes and biking. We'll talk to some of the bikiest people in town, including a retiring L.A. City Councilman who's looking forward to more time on two wheels. I want to ride more, and it gives me a little more freedom now because I don't have an 8.30 meeting anywhere in the world. We also visit a bike mechanic for tips on keeping your bike in shape. And we're going to hear from some super serious long-distance bikers. When's the last time you had like a super intense ride? Like I wanted to vomit? Yeah. Every single weekend? Plus, we'll meet a group of women who are battling stereotypes by riding bicycles. You see people, they always smile because they've never seen a black woman on a bike. They, their eyes get big. You can see them coming towards you. Isn't that true, Lou? <laughs> A full hour of bikes. Bikes. Bikes, so stick around. We'll be right back, right after this news. Hi, this is Zay Martinez with KPCC. And Susan Carpenter of the OC Register. Now, we know you tune in to hear car talk at this time. And you probably noticed we don't sound much like click and clack. Nope, but we hope you stick around because we have something very special. A full hour devoted to bikes and biking. Where to ride, how to ride safely, and the simple joy of being on a bicycle. And we begin with some fun and interesting bike facts. Compiled by our brand spanking new transportation and commuting reporter, Megan McCarty. Hey, A and Sue Carpenter. Hello. Nice to see Hello. you. Nice to see you, too. Hey. <laughs> All right, so how would you characterize the state of biking in L.A.? Well, I've been talking with bike advocates and enthusiasts and researchers and everybody I can get to talk to me about bikes for the past couple of weeks. And I think I can say right now with total confidence mm-hmm. that the state of biking in L.A. Yeah. is g- g- getting there. It's getting there. Hmm. It's kind of almost good. Not, not your most confident statement, yeah, Megan. No, You're I mean, more confident than that usually with things. <laughs> Like, we're not Portland yet, but we've been, you know, we've been making a lot of strides in recent years. So there's a lot for bike advocates to be happy about. So you say we're no Portland. (laughs) So what have they got? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't want to move there. Well, they got water, I think. So So what have they got that we don't besides a lot more hipsters and a lot more rain? Yeah, right. Despite the fact that they don't have our nearly 300 days of sunshine a year, which should make it a bike mecca for the world. um, Portland usually tops those kinds of lists that you see on Facebook of, you know, the most bike friendly cities. And one of the main criteria that is used to calculate those kinds of lists is the share of a city's population that commutes by bike. So this is data collected by the Federal Census Bureau. No nonsense. And no surprise, Portland has the highest share of bike commuters. It's about 6% of the population, which doesn't sound that high, but I would ask you, what do you think it is in L.A.? $1 million. (laughs) Okay, it's a percentage, Okay, sorry. Uh, (laughs) 50%. Less than 1%. No, I already told you 6% is the highest. Oh. Less than 1%. Pay attention. Come on, over here, over here. Okay, okay, okay. Susan, you are very close. And it's kind of a trick question because when we look at the city of L.A., it's 1.2%. They rank 22 in the list of big cities. But 
when we look at the whole metropolitan area of all the cities that make up L.A., that number gets bumped up to around 2%. So that puts us on a par with places like Boston or Denver, kind of in the 13-14 slot for big cities. Now, if I remember my uh, senior math in high school, I, 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 <laughs> I was a low, slow learner there. It actually means that there are places in L.A. County then that have higher bike ridership that's right. bringing up our average. So where are all the bike riders? Okay, well, I'm going to give you... Some hints. It's home to a little old lady. From? <laughs> very I can good, sing very it. good. Big Bang Theory, yeah. JPL. We're sitting there right now, and it is Pasadena. Pasadena good. Indeed. So, obviously, Pasadena is a picturesque place to ride a bike. There are big yeah. trees, there's Old Town, but why do you think Pasadena's bike commuting is so much higher than the rest of LA? Okay. So, there is actually a really good reason that Pasadena might have such high bike ridership, and that is that Pasadena was home to the one and only, the first ever bike freeway in the 1890s. Pasadena actually started building, they built a mile and a quarter elevated bike track that was set to run all the way to downtown LA. It was an elevated bike track made out of wood. Uh, it would have been so that it had only a 3% grade going all the way to downtown LA. Sadly, the rest of the entire track never materialized, but build it now. <laughs> yeah, that would have looked so cool. All right, so we didn't get that, but right. we do have some bike lanes. So what do we rank uh, when it comes to uh, bike infrastructure? So kind of the standard answer is that we have 1,200 miles of bike ways. So that includes bike paths, bike lanes, things called sharrows, which are basically uh, areas of the road that have signs reminding cars that bikes can share the lane. Um, but in terms of bike lanes, we have about 460 miles of bike lanes. The only places that have more actual mileage of bike lanes are San Diego with 620 miles and Tucson with 610. Of course, Tucson, much smaller city, so... So forget about bike lanes. I see people riding on the sidewalk a lot. I know that I have yeah, done it. Is that I legal? Do it. it is legal in the city of L.A. There are some jurisdictions where it's not legal or it's kind of questionably legal. But in general, you know, riding on the sidewalk is generally correlated with areas where riders don't feel safe riding in the streets. So places that have bike lanes, UCLA has found half the number of riders ride on the sidewalk. How dangerous is it to actually ride in the street? I wasn't able to figure out exactly how many accidents happen in traffic lanes, but I can tell you that a full third of traffic fatalities in L.A. are cyclists and pedestrians, and that's way disproportionate to the number of pedestrians and cyclists that are actually on the road. They make up about 20% of all trips, so there's a good reason to be afraid. And In fact, that same UCLA bike count found that this kind of environment is a deterrent for a lot of groups, especially women. In their study, only one in five cyclists on the road was a woman. But luckily, it's pretty, it's pretty chill out there at Ciclovia, so I'm going to head out there. And how fast do you think you're going to be going? It's only 3.5 miles. When I've gone, it's been mobbed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Probably pretty slow. Probably slow enough that I can, like, get my Cool House ice cream sandwich and, like, chill with it while I crash into the Both this hands on the wheel, McCarty. <laughs> Both hands on the wheel. I'm going to put my corgi in a basket. Oh, I should say on the <laughs> handles. Both hands on the handles. That's KPCC's transportation reporter, Megan McCarty. Megan, thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
So, A, I'm out here in the parking lot just standing underneath the sign for the Moan Broadcast Center with my riding companion, Charlie Gandy. He's the vice president of the California Bicycle Coalition, also known as CalBike. And what we're going to do today is you're going to walk us through some urban riding tips and tricks, some survival strategies. So before we get started, just tell me what you should normally do to prepare for a ride. Well, we're going to be riding with traffic today, right? And, and so the idea is to have a bike that's in good condition and to be familiar with the rules of the road and to be responsible, you know, because it's dangerous out there, although we're going to have a great time. And so if we know what we're doing, if we, if we are fairly cautious about what we're up to, uh, we're going to have a great trip. And so we make sure that the bike is operating uh, correctly. We make sure we've got the right clothes on. Uh, we know the route that we're going to take, you know, and, and the route that we take is not the same route we would take if we were driving. If we think about how we would drive, we would be getting out onto the arterial roads and we'd be taking the most direct, fastest route by car. But today, we're going to be taking side streets. We're going to be taking roads that you wouldn't want to take by car because you'd be frustrated with how slow you were going. And there would be alternative routes that were much faster. But by bike, we can get there uh, and not have to mix it up with with uh, fast-moving cars, uh, and it'll be a much more pleasant experience. So you have never ridden the route that we are about to take. We're going to be coming from Pasadena, the KPCC headquarters, and we're going to be traveling to my house in Highland Park, which is about four or five miles from here. Have you looked at the route? I have looked on a map at the route, and I've noticed that there are very good alternatives to the, the busy arterials that go between here and there. And so today, I I expect that that's the route we'll be taking. So I've noticed that you have a a gold-seated bicycle here and that you have a nickname for your bike? My bike is affectionately known as Goldie, and the lock is known, uh, I have a lock, therefore that's Goldie's lock. And mine just seems so embarrassing in comparison, but it is recently spiffed up. You know what? I had a bike like that once, and and I took it to an event, and this bike shop owner, when he saw the bike, he said, oh, Charlie, I see you're in the market for a new bike. <laughs> so are you, guys, are, you, are you guys, are you one guy, are you ready to go? I'm ready. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Show me the way. All right. We're going to head out on Raymond. We're going to take a sharp ride on California, and then we're going to go down into the beautiful Arroyo Seco area. Great. I'm ready. Let's okay. go. Let's do it. So Charlie had a plan when we were riding to my house from here, Mm -hmm. and I, of course, foolishly decided to go with my plan because (laughs) I know the area, right? Yeah. Well, that wasn't the smartest idea. We headed out on California, and because you work around here, you know what I'm talking about. What did you do? We... Well, we almost got run off the road, first of all. So Charlie's suggestion was there's always a parallel street to these main thoroughfares, right? We should have taken that. But no, no, no. We took California. Then we'd headed down the hill to Arroyo. And then we hooked a right up this big hill. Once again, my mistake. I travel this way all the time. But it was a 400-foot incline. And on his route, it would have only been 70 feet. And he knew this because he had, of course, the bicycling app. So, um, <laughs> he was on a single speed 70 Schwinn. I was on a 21 speed semi modern hybrid bike. Mm-hmm. Guess who walks halfway up the hill? You did? <laughs> of course you did. You pointed to yourself. I know. It's so embarrassing. So, wow. um, we continued going, and 
I was noticing some of my bad habits as yeah. a cyclist, such as approaching a stop sign and not seeing any traffic and just rolling right through. You roll through stops. Are you kidding me? I do. I do. And I know that's horrible. So I was asking Charlie, like, is this normal? You know, is this how people normally do it or how you should do it? And he said, you should always slow and look. And if there are cars, you should be indicating by perhaps uh, rolling your cycle pedals backwards just to show people what you're really? doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was interesting. And I asked him for tips on how to communicate with drivers just to make sure that they can see you, that they know that you're there. And he suggested trying to make eye contact, which I thought was interesting. No kidding. Eye contact, huh? Yeah, just to let them know. What if they start talking to you? What do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Stop. So anyway, A, after about 20 minutes, we finally made it to my house. Charlie, I wish that I had gone for that ride with you about 10 years ago. Why? I'd be a way better rider. Oh, well, you know, these are civilized people here in Pasadena. They treated us pretty well, I think, under the circumstances. Yeah, how'd you enjoy the ride? I loved it. This is, you know, uh, Southern California is a wonderful place to ride a bike. And uh, as an evangelical bicyclist, you know, my job is to get people exposed to a better way of seeing their neighborhood and their communities. And I dare say that walking or riding a bike is the smartest way to do it. And that is Charlie Gandy, Vice President of the California Bicycle Coalition. Thank you. Thank you. How could I forget to mention the bicycle is a good invention? Sitting there in a silent movie beside the only girl who really ever knew me. Happy days but sad of facing. Heaven knows I'm on the case. So how could I forget to mention the bicycle? Coming up in just a few moments, we get Sue's ratty old hybrid bike back into shape. Hey, 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 it wasn't that ratty, but it's all spiffed up now. We visit a bike mechanic with some straight answers to common bike questions. Plus, riding till you wretch, a conversation with some very serious bikers. So stick around. Sue and I'll be right back right after this short break. And this is 89.3 KPCC. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Well, it's been about a year since Metro completed the expansion of the Sepulveda to Pass section of the 405 freeway. Now the agency's released a report on how effective it's been. KPCC's Megan McCarty has more. The dreaded Sepulveda Pass of the 405 goes from the 10 freeway up to the 101 and consistently ranks as one of the most congested stretches of highway in the country. After five years of construction that included two Carmageddons, one Jamzilla, and countless detours and delays, a carpool lane was added, two bridges were rebuilt, and on and off ramps were lengthened. So what's changed? According to Aziz el at Metro... We've reduced the peak periods. It used to be between 2 o'clock and 9 p.m. And now it's between 3 and 8 p.m. Accidents have also dropped and about 15% more vehicles are flowing through the pass every hour. As for the million-dollar question of how long you'll be stuck there, well, that hasn't really budged. But Elatar stresses... You have to look at the totality of the project. That If we had done nothing, things would have been a lot worse. Also on the bright side, gridlock has become more consistent, so it's easier to plan for those rush hour delays. I'm Megan McCarty. And KPCC's online auction is ending at 1 o'clock today. If you've had your eye on something special, this is your last chance to get it. We still have items that are way below value, so you can get fantastic deals on beach getaways, jewelry, yoga and Pilates classes, even that eight-day European river cruise. Your winning bid sports a station you love, so bid generously and get something great in return. It's 1020. KPCC supporters include Metro, offering a reminder about sustainable ways to travel, like transit, walking, and biking, as a cost-effective way to get fit, have fun, and connect to the community. You can go car-free for short trips and bike or walk instead. 
You can sign up for Traffic Safety Skills class or find a group bike ride or walking event in your area online at metro.net slash walkbikeroom. We're back now with The Bike Show. I'm with Sue Carpenter, auto critic for the Orange County Register, and where it stands, bike shop in the middle of beautiful Monrovia. And, Sue, we've got uh, your bike in front of us. Uh, it's a nice bike. It looks like certainly like you've used it. Uh, what's the problem with it? You're being kind, first of all, by calling it nice. It, it is, is a very well-used hybrid bicycle that I probably ride three times a week, about 10 miles each time, and it's just a little glitchy. What's wrong with it? What, what would you say is the problem? Well, when I shift gears, um, sometimes the the derailleur slips, the chain slips. Mm. Um, I often get flat tires, so I want to know about that. And I have this big ripped seat, and I'm not even wearing, like, sandpaper pants, so I have no idea what's going on. And So the chain slips, the brake is not good, the seat is ripped. It's this bike pretty. all of a sudden got ugly. We're going to have to get <laughs> into Stan's bike shop and figure it out. For sure. All right, we're inside Stan's Bike Shop in Monrovia with uh, Carlos Morales. Uh, Carlos, my friend Sue here has brought her uh, her bike in, um, and I guess it look it needs a little work. Uh, yes, it does. We just taking a look. It, it needs a little love, love and attention, which we we could do here. You hear that, Sue? You haven't given your bike love and attention. <laughs> I'm not surprised by that. I've been in for ten years with not much love and attention. I have a question. Like, when you look at this bicycle, what's the first thing that stands out in terms of needing help? The first thing we look at is actually the condition of the bikes. We actually take a look at the tire, see if it has any any cracks in it, if it's flat or not. Next thing, uh, my mechanic just take a look at was the, the condition of the chain. And we actually measure the chain to see if it's within tolerance. And he said it was out of tolerance. Another thing we look at is the front crank and cassette. We're actually looking here for irregular tooth wear to make sure that the chain and the cassette and the crank all, all work together properly. Next thing we look at is the uh, brakes. Uh, and you do need brake pads in the rear. And let me check the front. It just keeps piling up, Sue. I think I just need to What have you been doing to this here. poor bike? Yeah, and these are pretty... Yeah, so you're going to need brake pads in the front and in, in the rear. As soon as we do the uh, general assessment, he starts uh, washing and cleaning the bike. And then as he starts putting it back together, he starts checking piece by piece and see if, if everything is, else is intolerance or do we need to replace it. Considering the long laundry list of things this bike needs, should she just get another bike? Um, no, considering the type of bike, usually our our tune-ups are like fifty dollars, and in the uh, with that includes it's the wipe down of the bike. We do the lubrication, we true the wheels, uh, check the brakes, adjust the uh, shifters, and that covers most of the bike. The only thing outside of that would be the would be the parts, and the parts on this type of bike are not a major cost, so it'll it'll be worth it to to repair it. How often should I have been taking my bicycle in just for these tune-ups? Uh, tune-ups, it really depends on how much time you actually ride the bike, how many miles you put on it. The time where you're going to bring it in for a tune-up is you see that the chain's falling off or, or the derailleur's making a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Or if it's not braking, it's not stopping where you want it to stop, that's when it's time to just start bringing it in. How often should she have been checking it? Oh, you check the bike. Uh, if she uses it on a daily basis, you give it like an overall check once, once a week. You try to clean it at least one, once a week. And that'll help avoid a lot of the wear and tear in between the tune-ups. Did you notice the seat? The seat is torn, too. Can you see that seat? Oh, no, I, did. I didn't even look at that yet. 
You know, the good thing is that nobody wants to steal my bike. That is a, that is a good thing. <laughs> but I have... I have a couple questions because I ride a lot, but I obviously don't really know all that much about cycles. And I think a lot of people even get confused about how to read a tire to know how much air they should be putting in it. So can you walk us through how you should check to find out what's the proper inflation of your tire? Sure. Each each manufacturer of the tire, they actually imprint and they emboss the, the sidewall of the tire. It says inflate to between 50 and 80 PSI. And I normally inflate it to about 60 um, you are uh, making you're, myself you're, work harder. Yeah, you're going to work harder. Yeah, absolutely. If everyone out there could see the look on his eye when he <laughs> heard you say that. Like you should be arrested for bike abuse. <laughs> hey, is there police that can somehow do something? We, we could call Monro- Monrovia police over here. We they come you here guys. all the time. We actually maintain their 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 bikes as well. You know, uh, it's actually a very good question. Most most of the the people that actually come into the shop, they come in for a flat tire or um, they don't understand why they get so many flats. And one of the, one of the reasons is they, they never check the air pressure. So I tell people to check your air pressure. If you're a, a daily rider, you're going to check it every other day, and you'll be surprised. You'll be losing four or five pounds, and that makes a big difference on a bike. The big question I have is, can Sue's bike be safe? Absolutely. We got the number one mechanic in the, in the San Gabriel Valley working on it, and uh, I'm sure it's going to be great. So am I normal? <laughs> is, like, is this normal? Like, do you see this sort of wear and tear, this extreme wear and tear before people come into you? Be easy on her. Tell her the a- truth. Absolutely. Uh, this, this, this is normal. Uh, me, before having a bike shop, I was in the same in the same condition. I actually started riding in 2008, and I would do it for exercise, and and it just became a lot of fun. I didn't maintain the bike as much as I should have. And I was always going to bike shops to get it repaired. And I think just becoming a little bit more savvy and and noticing things on your bike over time, if you really ride into it, you'll start discovering the things that you could do to to keep it running smoothly. All right. So thank you, Carlos Morales of Stan's Bike Shop in Monrovia. Thank you for coming in. It was a pleasure to uh, have have you guys come in and uh, learn a little bit about bikes. The Los Angeles County Bike Coalition is the biggest advocate for biking in this area. They work to increase bike infrastructure throughout the region. Now, for the past six or seven years, they've organized a census to count the number of bicycles and pedestrians. Our producer, Shannon Deloria, sat down with one of the volunteers on a residential street in Culver City. Counting. That's right. Thank you. I was very happy to hear that he might actually know what we're doing. <laughs> Sometimes people come up to me and ask, why, why are you sitting here on my on my street corner? My name is Paloma Gonzalez. I am in Culver City on Wesley and Higuera. I'm here uh, volunteering for the bicycle and pedestrian count, and one cyclist just went by, so I'll need to tag him. There we go. We're really doing this so that we have some sort of real tally when we talk to the city or maybe write a grant that shows people that 
that bicyclists do utilize these streets and how many and in what ways. Not everyone realizes the amount of bicyclists and uh, pedestrians that come by, but they need to be safe on the streets too. Cars are so visible and what happens is that bicyclists or pedestrians are seen more as impediments to the street rather than active participants of it. And we're on to another sheet. If they're planning a bike route, I want to say something about it because I want it to be a route that makes sense. I don't want it to be a route by, made by somebody who might not be aware of different nuances of the street. We see a, we see a lot of that, a lot of urban planners and even a lot of, you know, neighborhood organizations who mean well, but they aren't the ones peddling on the street every day, seeing the near misses, hearing about their friends getting side swiped. So we definitely have that in us to just speak up. It's a nice feeling to say, hey, I just spent two hours out here and uh, helped make it a little safer next time. And when I drive by, if I see a little change, then hey, you know what? That's a good thing. <laughs> the final results on that small street, 42 bikes and pedestrians. Like most workplaces, we've got lots of people here who like to bike. And like most workplaces, we've got some that are pretty serious bikers. People like Jacob Margolis. He's a producer on Take Two. He rides long distances and also sometimes races. And John Horn, host of our entertainment show, The Frame. He also likes to ride. We've got both of them here right now. Hello, you two. Hello. Hey, hey. Jacob, let's start with you. So tell us about your bikes, because I know you have more than one. I've got four bikes in my tiny 420-square-foot uh, apartment in Hollywood, and uh, they all do different things. My fiance is none too pleased about all of them sitting in there, though. Four bikes. I mean, well, they ride on the street, right? So what more do they need to do? Two of them are for racing, and two of them are for commuting, just riding to the store, riding to the gym. and If you had to, could you commute on the racing bike? Uh, no, because I have special shoes that clip into the racing bikes, and I can't walk around on them. It's almost like walking around on ice skates. John Horn, do you have similar dilemmas with your bikes? Uh, I have three bikes. I have a racing bike, uh, which I will note cost more than my first car. Uh, I have a town bike, uh, which I can ride to work without fancy shoes like Jacob skates around in. And I have a trainer bike, basically a bike that I put in front of a TV and watch stages of bike races where I exercise if it's too cold or too late. A trainer outside. bike? Is that, that's not a stationary bike? It's a stationary bike, but a trainer bike sounds fancier. It does sound cooler, too, like you're actually it's doing something. It's not a stationary bike. You, is it you, moving? You said that to me the other day. Is the bike moving? No. The bike is not moving, it's, but it's, it's a bike. It's a racing bike on what's called a trainer. But and just to, I want to paint the picture, A, eh? just so you know, you're watching TV of a bike race. You're on your on stationary your, bike, yeah. and if you really get into the spirit of it, you are right there with Lance Armstrong, but without the drugs. Exactly. Right. Now, where do you guys uh, like to ride? 
I'll go first. I love to ride up in the mountains above Pasadena. There are a couple of roads that I truly love. The Angeles Crest Highway goes up to Mount Wilson. It's 25 miles to Mount Wilson from my house. Highway 39 out in Duarte, you can go up to Crystal Lake, which is about 6,500 feet up in the mountains. There's a lovely cafe. And then there's a loop that goes out of Encanto Park in Duarte that goes over what's called Glendora Mountain Road. Very lovely road. And at fourth and probably least favorite is a ride that goes up to the ski lifts. Absolutely straight up, but very fast coming down. How long does it take you to do that? On a good day with a tailwind, about two and a half hours. I have two favorite rides on Saturday at about 7.30 in the morning. Uh, You leave from Santa Monica and go up the coast to Zuma and back. It's a big group ride. Some pros show up sometimes. I get dropped sometimes. I can't keep up always. (laughs) They ride really fast, Uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's about 60 miles or so. Uh, And then on Sundays, I do something called the Nichols Ride, and that starts at about, I don't know, 8.15, 8.30 over in Brentwood, it goes up Nichols Canyon to Mulholland, over to uh, the Skirball Center, and back around. How long does it take you to do that one? About an hour and a half total. Okay. But yeah, see, the difference yeah. is Jacob is riding with a group. I'm riding by myself. He's trying to keep up with pros. I'm just trying to keep up with Father Time. Would you Would you rather ride with a group if you could? No. No? Because they'd happens, just be chasing them. They'd you, be going over the you horizon. Challenge yourself, though, but John. when you ride with the groups, it challenges you. You end up going faster, pushing yourself harder. How often do you guys ride to work? You guys ever done that? I, I've seen you, Jacob, do that once or twice. I've done it a couple times, and you know that takes probably a little over an hour. I ride back it's to West Pasadena Hollywood. to West Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. That doesn't sound like a very direct thing. No, it's through a really, really, uh, it's not bike friendly at all. There aren't a ton of bike lanes. You're riding on very trafficy roads the whole time. I wish there was a better route. What about you, John? I try to do it a couple times a month. We have a nice little bike locker in the basement at KPCC's. The challenge for me is I have a ninth grader and a fifth grader, and it's very hard to take the kids to school on the back of my bike. That would be very difficult. I mean, how do you account for juice boxes and things like that? You can't even get their backpacks on. Yeah, but for you, how long is your commute If when you do ride to work? I can actually ride to work almost as fast as I can drive. I live, wow. I live about five miles away, and if you hit the lights right, I have timed myself. I've made it to work on my bike in nine minutes. And that's a town bike, not a fancy racing bike. That's flat out coming a little bit sweaty, but just like you. That's the downside is you show up sweaty. And, I mean, I don't want to sit at work like that. And they have a shower here, but I don't know how I feel about work. Do you think shower. that's one of the big drawbacks for people riding to work is that they have to show up? Kind of dirty thing. Yeah, I'd say the bigger issue is spandex or not. Are you going to walk into the office wearing spandex? I know you've got spandex on right now underneath your normal work clothes. And if you have spandex, but, are you going to shave your legs? So it's, it triggers a whole series of questions. It spandex, and you got to shave your legs. Because if you shave your legs, even if you're just riding five miles from Pasadena, you're going to go faster because you're more aerodynamic. We all believe that. Yeah, I've hung out with you a couple times in my spandex outfit, eh? You have? I don't yeah, remember. You've it. seen me. It must have been you just your body. It out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's too too ugly a memory. <laughs> what about intense rides? I mean, when's the last time you had like a super intense ride? Like I wanted to vomit. Yeah. Uh, every single weekend. But, every so Saturday those and rides Sunday. You those do rides Saturday? that oh, I'm wow. doing, I want to throw up every single time. Why do you do, those do rides? Them, what do you get out of them? Because I start racing in the fall. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be racing something called cyclocross. And it's across, it's a basically road biking and mountain biking combined into one thing. And you go, you uh, jump over barriers with your bike and kind of ride off-road. And it's a lot of fun. I rode very recently up to Mount Baldy. We were riding as a group ahead of the pros in the Tour of California. So we knew they were a little bit behind us. So we had to go very hard, very fast. It was a, almost 11,000 feet of climbing on the Whoa. bike. God, the temperature at Mount Baldy was 35.6 degrees. I've never wanted to get off the bike more, but I made it all the way up to the top. I spent the next 45 minutes in my bathtub thawing. Uh, but it was lovely. Doesn't it sound lovely? Aside from the exhaustion, though, I mean, do you get 
pleasure out of it? Yeah, there is a sense of accomplishment at the end of it all. I usually don't want to do anything. My fiance complains that I'm too tired afterwards. But... I, I love it. I mean, the, the foothills of Pasadena, the mountains, the San Gabriels are spectacular. They're now covered with snow. It's unbelievable. I'll put some cool 80s music onto my phone. And I find it incredibly relaxing, even though it's physically unbelievably demanding. It Let me can't. guess the 80s song that you have, John. It's a Haircut 100. Where do we go from here? Is it down to the lake, I fear? Yeah, you're very close. It's The Cure. It's very embarrassed. Depeche Mode. It's stuff I've got, that I've I... got Kendrick, wow. Kendrick Lamar, ASAP Rocky, Tyler the Creator, Earl Sweatshirt. Know no, any of these guys? I'm more yeah. in line with John Horn there. All right, now, John, last year you were on a bike uh, doing a story with another guy on a bike, and things went a little uh, sideways. Uh, let, let's listen to that. So we'll, we'll go right on 23rd. Is there, a, um, uh, is there traffic control, or do you know? Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, sorry, I said right on 23rd, but that's... I'm so sorry. Are you okay? <laughs> you got to explain that. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say, that is the only the second time I've crashed on a bike in the last 10 years. Uh, I was doing a piece on Tom Smuts, who is a writer for Mad Men. He had organized a group... Uh, to ride to the Emmy Awards on his bike, and we thought it would be a fun story to go out, ride with him ahead of the Emmy Awards and talk about biking to this big black tie event. He said right on 23rd. <laughs> we happened to be on 22nd, so we hadn't yet hit 23rd. I cut him off. We went down and heap. Uh, no one was hurt. It was mortifying, but we did get some good radio was out of your, it. Was the, the first question is, was your bike okay? My bike was okay. Thank you. That's John Horn, host of our daily entertainment program, The Frame, and Jacob Margolis, producer for Take Two. Thanks a lot, you two. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Coming up, retiring L.A. City Councilman and bike freak Tom LaBonge on what the region needs to make Southern California a bike rider's paradise. And a group of women who are turning heads just by riding bikes. Don't go away. We'll be back with some great bike stuff right after this short break. And this is 89.3 KPCC. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Beach temperatures today going to be in the low to mid-70s, and the beaches in the South Bay are open for business after being closed for three days. Cleaning crews collected up 40 cubic yards of tar balls. Now, that's enough to fill up three municipal trash trucks. Those balls started washing up Wednesday from Manhattan Beach to Redondo Beach. Kim Brand lives near Redondo Beach and spoke with our media partner, NBC4. It's never good. The surfers can't go in the water. and I mean, they do anyway, but they shouldn't. And But it takes away from the revenue from the whole area. And you know, People like to go down and walk by the beach and just be in the water. Just wade in if you can. So it's nice to have it back open. Lifeguards say the stretch of shore has been deemed safe for beachgoers and swimmers to return, although the Coast Guard will be keeping an eye on it. Samples of the oily goo are being analyzed to determine where in the heck they came from. It's not clear yet, though, if there's a connection to the oil spill off the Santa Barbara coastline. On the freeways right now, we have a signal alert going on in Silmore. Silmore, rather, the southbound 5 to the southbound 405. The two right lanes there and the truck bypass are closed till further notice. Earlier crash there has left a pretty big fuel spill. There's also a problem in the downtown Los Angeles area on the northbound side of the Harbor Freeway from 9th up to 3rd. The collector road is closed. The main portion's open, but the collector road is closed until 4. That's creating a huge backup all the way to Florence. You'd be much better off using the northbound Long Beach Freeway instead. And we've got an earlier crash on the eastbound 91 right around the 71 it's gone now but it's a very busy stretch of highway starting at about the 15 heading all along into the corona pass there it's 10 40 
KPCC supporters include Walden School, located in Pasadena, enrolling students in pre-kindergarten through sixth grade since 1970. Walden School teaches that all people have stewardship for the world in which we live. With a commitment to experiential education and environmental stewardship, Walden School graduates learn within the context of human insight. You can book a tour by visiting waldenschool.net. Today is the last day of KPCC's online auction. You've had your eye on that special something all week. Don't let it get away. Whether it's a beach getaway in Santa Barbara or Carmel, a European River cruise, or spending time with your favorite KPCC hosts, including me, it's sure to be something you love, and it's sure to be yours when you place that winning bid by 1 p.m. today at kpcc.org auction. back with our KPCC special hour on bikes and biking. I'm Susan Carpenter with the Orange County Register. And I'm Amy Martinez, working the weekend, but usually on Monday through Friday mornings for Take Two. So, A, I know that you're more of a runner than a cyclist, but mm-hmm. what would it take to get you on two wheels? Uh, let me think about that. Um, what would it take? Can I ride you on a tandem bike? Oh, yeah. Can you do all the work in the front, though? <laughs> that would be, help. It's got to be electric. <laughs> What's the point of that? I thought the whole point is pedaling. That's the whole fun of it. No, the whole point is having fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> watching you exercise and work hard would be me having fun. So there you go. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I suggested tandem bikes, but what are you drawn to? Uh, unicycles. <laughs> you know, there that actually is a trend. Right? There's a trend of unicycles. Really? There is. How could there be? There are many makers of unicycles, believe it or not. Really? All right, Sue, so do you remember your first ever bicycle? Yep, crashed it. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Five years old, hill. You've always treated your bikes horribly. <laughs> Unfortunately, when is this that's stop? true. It's, it's a recurring true. pattern, my goodness. Yeah, maybe I just need to dump my bad luck charms. What did you do with your second bike? Did you put it in a trash compact or something? <laughs> Torture it? You know, I don't remember the second one, which means it probably didn't come to a bad end. Hmm. Or maybe you just are blocking it from your memory. So how about you, first bike? Uh, I, I don't remember the brand. It was just a typical kind of dirt bike kind of thing. It was green, and I remember it was pretty sturdy because the kids in the neighborhood and I, we would all kind of crash into each other. I know. crash, but my Nitro bike, Circus style? No, the, the wheels, the front wheels would just crash into each other, and whatever bike was left standing would be the winner. So it would be kind of like a joust, like you know those medieval mm. joust type of things. And my bike was always so heavy and sturdy that it would win most of them. So that was uh, my first bike. <laughs> <laughs> And what happened? What happened to your body? Uh, no, nothing, because I would always win. I, mm. That's the one area where I would actually win. <laughs> Athletically. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. It wasn't me, it was the bike. So, A. These days, it's pretty smart for a politician to be seen riding a bike. Sure, yeah. Former L.A. Mayor Richard Reardon was an avid bike rider, as is the city's current chief, Eric Garcetti. But there's one elected official who seems to be more attached to his bike than anyone else. I know who you're talking about, and that's L.A. City Council member Tom Labonge. He hosts regular bike rides. Tour Labonge, they call them. <laughs> He's often seen around town on a bike. He's also been an advocate for a number of bike-related improvements in the city. Labonge has his critics in the biking community, but he also has a big, jovial manner 
manner that makes it hard to dislike him. Yeah. And next month, uh, LaBonge ends a 14-year run as council representative for an area that includes Silver Lake and Echo Park, along with parts of Hollywood. Now, he's run up against term limits, but LaBonge says that's okay. We talked with LaBonge earlier this week, you and I, and he says he's not sure he'll actually retire, but he is sure he'll be doing more bike riding. For instance, he hikes every day in L.A.'s Griffith Park. I've been driving for many, 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 many years, like since 1978, hiking every day, but I want to ride more, and it gives me a little more freedom now because I don't have an 8.30 meeting anywhere in the world. Now, in 2010, the, the city put forward a, a bicycle master plan that called for over 1,600 miles of bike lanes by 2040. Where does the city currently stand on that? Well, they've made great improvements throughout the city, uh, and I don't know the exact number, but the key is that you have more people feeling that they can't participate in bike uh, uh, in the city streets of Los Angeles. You got to understand, Los Angeles was the first major city in the United States, if not the world, that was developed post the automobile. In the years that we've been discussing moving on this issue, I've been trying to get our Department of Transportation to do parallel streets to our north-south streets like Western. Just recently on Oxford, which is one block east, they put in bike uh, lanes on Oxford. We do have a, a lot of buses in the densely populated area of Los Angeles, so trying to balance that out. Uh, and it is difficult to take away capacity from our vehicle lanes in the center of the city because of the density. But they're trying to get match streets uh, for that to make those who ride bikes feel more comfortable that there's a spot on the road for them. In terms of upcoming projects, how would you prioritize the build-out of L.A.'s bike infrastructure? For me, I'd just say the f- most important thing, f- if, if I was like mayor, and I love Eric Garcetti, I think he's a great mayor, but if I was mayor, the first thing I'd do, I'd say, I want the bikeway built from the headworks of uh, uh, the Bell and Calabasas Creek out by Canoga Park High School and get the bikeway down the Los Angeles River all the way down to Olympic Boulevard. And then also use the other washers that are adjacent to uh, the public works right away, uh, like the Tahunga Wash or the Pacoima Wash or some of the other washes in the valley, as well as in the Metro Valona Creek area where you could extend into the city. Uh, and then I would look for parallel streets to our busiest streets to convert them to bicycle-friendly streets. But I, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas. I know I, I didn't make anybody happy in the bike community. I strongly believed in bike lanes in both directions on the Hyperion Bridge, and they, uh, which they uh, liked, but I also uh, want to have two lanes of traffic in each direction. That's on a, a future project coming up. They want it one lane, but it does have impact on the, on the ability for people to move through the area. Now, some of what you said makes a lot of sense when it comes to making this city more bike-friendly, but plain and simple, it isn't. Um, what are the main reasons that have prevented L.A. from being a true cyclist city? Well, I think it's – well, look, at, if you go to Orange County, and I have a brother, Dennis, who lives in there in Orange County, and I love Orange County, but, you know, it's not L.A., and there's nothing like L.A., but they were able to, you know, plan things out in the last 30 years where there's very – there's no cut-through traffic in their neighborhood tracks, and they have very big, wide parkways, so to speak. I would like us to look at density, and I could say, it's, I hate to be a, make a pun here, but a, a hub and spoke. The spoke from Occidental College to downtown, from uh, Los Angeles City College to downtown, from USC to downtown, and from East Los Angeles College to downtown. Just look at those institutions and try to create uh, bike systems that work on the existing streets, 
Can I ask you a question about this hub and spoke system? Because what if you uh, don't live on the spoke or in the hub? Whenever I've tried to commute by bicycle, it seems like there's just a patchwork of paths and they appear and they disappear. And do you think that's ever going to change? I mean, what do you think is going to win out more of a cohesive system? Well, you put the hub and spoke together, you know, when you add on to it. Let's say then you go from Occidental College to Glendale College. But in like in the Silver Lake area, it's tough to commute because you have Los Feliz Boulevard, which is a six-lane highway to Vermont, very busy road. And then you have Hyperion and narrower street. And uh, you don't have the, you, you know, there's not the flexibility. But it, it will take time as we try to do this here. And there will be others. I mean, that's the beauty of the future, there'll be others who will take it further. The Missing Persons once sang that song, Nobody Walks in L.A., and I was wondering if you think that rooting bike lanes on sidewalks is a viable solution. Well, I, you know, I, I thought of that, but now people have these things in their hand that are called iPhones, and they look at them all the time. And I remember on Grand Avenue, a, a cyclist was coming on the, onto the sidewalk, and a young uh, office worker was going to work, and she was looking at her iPad, and the guy acted like, hey, lady, you're in my way. And so there needs to be defined spaces. I also think of those who are handicapped and blind, which there are some. I've seen more blind people walking, which is great. You know, that means they're learning how to manipulate the signals. These last few days, for some reason, uh, as I travel the city, and, and so we have to be cautious on what we put on a sidewalk on that. We have to try to define the lanes and respect each other. And the one thing about, I think it's a reality about Los Angeles, it is a competitive city between the cars or motorcycles and cyclists. So everybody's got to find a way to get along, uh, which will take time. But education and respect by the motorists and the cyclists and the motorcyclists all and the pedestrian all count. Now, you represent uh, Council District 4. That covers uh, Miracle Mile, Los Feliz, uh, parts of right. Hollywood. And there's some pretty good bike lanes uh, along Silver Lake Boulevard, but the area still has uh, some of the highest rates of bicycle vehicle collisions. Why do you think that is? It's a narrow street, very challenging. you got Elysian Park, Echo Park, there are the hills there, and then the Silver Lake Hills, and then uh, the Los Feliz Hills, and then Griffith Park. So it's not an easy grade. But, it, you know, through time it will come. I'm uh, 61 I remember I used to ride my bicycle to school. Uh, kids do not ride their bikes to school as much anymore. Traffic has been very, very, safety is the number one thing there. But uh, as time goes on, and I say this, as more people ride, I think it will it will turn the needle a little bit so that people could uh, find a way to uh, want to get along as they move across the city streets with the Department of Transportation and others helping along the way. You mentioned earlier that cycling advocates have criticized you, and mm -hmm. I think one of their primary criticisms is that you refuse to put roads or the perceived refusal to put roads on a diet by removing traffic lanes for cars. How do you respond to those criticisms? Well, because you have to make sure that you're able to move traffic. What happens in certain streets if you can't move, then people leave the, the, the secondary or major highway and cut through neighborhoods. When they cut through neighborhoods, there's not an expectation there'll be a flood of cars coming through. I want to keep big traffic on big streets. And so to lose a lane sometimes means the capacity. Maybe for, uh, let's say, uh, 50 to 100 riders a day, and there may be 10,000 cars a day through those intersections. So the balance isn't there, so... You know, that's all right. I mean, I, you're able to do, you try to do the best that you can. I was the first proponent for the River Bikeway. I was able to get the Alex Bomb, which we named it after Alex, the uh, Las Feliz Bicycle Bridge over the river. 
built I've been a lot of things uh, and I've also I led bike rides but uh, you know some people uh, have a different opinion and that's okay that's America that's Los Angeles City Councilman Tom LeBond. Tom, uh, thank you for joining us, and I uh, well, hope you have a happy retirement. Well, uh, well, I'm not going to retire. I'll still be doing something, but I want to say, I want to quote Mick Jagger, and uh, I think it was on 12 by 5. He said, when you're out at night and you're on your bike, don't forget to wear white. So uh, uh, be, be safe out there on your bikes. <laughs> You want to hear a bike story? Oh, yeah. You want to know how I got started in motorcycles? Ooh, how? Bicycle was stolen. Your bicycle was stolen? Mm-hmm. I was going to get a scooter, and my boyfriend said, scooters are for sissies, get a motorcycle, so I did. <sighs> wow. Started with a bicycle. What happened to the boyfriend? Gone. <laughs> Now, a portrait of a group of riders who are using bicycles to knock down some stereotypes and open people's minds. The group is called Black Girls Do Bike. Our producer, Shana Deloria, hung out with them one night last week. There we go. <laughs> Here I come. <laughs> you got it, you got it, you got it. Hey, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. My name is Lula Carter. And I am the Shiro, as they're, as I'm called, of the Black Girls Do Bike Los Angeles division here in California. I'm at Raleigh Park in Gardena. Um, it's a local park, and this is where we do our Wednesday night training ride. I mean, how far do you well, ride? Well, tonight we're only doing off. like eight miles. Oh, Lord. What do you do for uh, newcomers? I can't do eight miles. Yes, you can. Oh, Lord. We- She's a newcomer, and she, trust me, you can do it. You did eight miles? Hello, my name is Denise K. Dowdy. I'm a member of Black Girls Do Bike Los Angeles. I first met the ladies at the Long Beach Marathon bike ride in October of 2014. They have a person who organizes it, and so they call him the Shiro, and that's truly Lula. She posts stuff. I mean, stuff I've never read before. Articles on Facebook. She'll post all upcoming bike rides. Like we did the tour of The Cure for Diabetes. I created the Facebook group on Facebook. And then I just started inviting people. And it just kind of went from there. Because, like, the first month we had maybe, like, 17 people. And I would say about then in six months' time, we had pretty close to 400 people. Yes, my name is Denitra Smith. I'm from San Pedro, and I just joined the group. I'm ready to get my ride on, so I'm very excited. And I always tell people, you come on, come for a ride, you need to come, be ready to laugh, be ready to crack jokes, just whatever. <laughs> because they have, they have yeah, yeah, that's what I have on. Put the little booty thing on it? Yeah. That, that yeah, thing? that's what I have on here. And then I have on regular, um... Oh, I thought that was all you. No, no. <laughs> My name's Kimberly Mills, and I'm just enjoying myself, trying to get healthy. When I'm going down the um, trails, like the San Gabriel River Trail, you see people, they always smile because they've never seen a black woman on a bike. They're, they're like, they're always like smiling, like, oh, hey, you know, their eyes get big. You can see them coming down, coming towards you. And it's like, wow, you know, I was like, hey, they have to say something to you. <laughs> Isn't that true, Lou? <laughs> 
Bro, it's very like, true. It was like, there's this thing that African-American women don't exercise. African-American women don't do this and don't do that. People try to put us in the box. You can't really put everybody in a box. Everybody don't fit in that box. We cycle, we do triathlons, we do duathons, we swim. We do a lot of things that people are really not aware of because there's not a number of us doing them. But now you figure there's close to 4,600 members. That's a lot of that's a lot of ladies. You know, you can't negate the fact that we're here, we're here to stay, and we're letting people know we do it as one. We're a group. Once we get out there and show it, then they'll like be more like, oh, okay, that's that becomes normal. If you look at it as a sport, traditionally you don't see a lot of African American women out riding, nor African American men. Predominantly, people ride bikes uh, at this caliber don't look like me. I don't know why they named the group Black Girls Do Bike, but it's, it speaks for itself. You bike, you bike, and we bike. That portrait of Black Girls Do Bike was produced by Shana Deloria. You know, Sue, how sometimes your childhood incidents spark fears that exist into adulthood. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am terrified, and I'm not kidding, I am terrified of butterflies. I can't stand <laughs> butterflies. But it was forged when I was a little kid, when I was learning how to ride a bike, and I'm going, right? I'm going down the block, and right at that exact moment, a pair of butterflies, I don't know if they were fighting, <laughs> or, fl- but they were flapping and fluttering right in front of my face. I lost control of the bike, flipped over, chipped my tooth, scratched up my face. And ever since then, I can't stand the sight of butterflies. That is a very strange story, but, but it's really true. quite charming. And you've recovered very nicely. Yeah, but I am still I can't stand butterflies. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed this special hour on bikes and biking. And don't worry, Click and Clack will be back next weekend. The hour was produced by Steve Prophet and Shana Deloria. Special thanks to Colin Campbell and Megan Larson. I'm Susan Carpenter. And I'm A. Martinez, and this is KPCC, Southern California Public Radio. And Ciclavia is coming to Pasadena tomorrow. This is the first time the Open Streets Car-Free Initiative event has ever been held in the city. Colorado Boulevard and several side streets will be open for you on foot or bike to check out local architecture, listen to live music, and explore the cuisine from food trucks. Aaron Paley is the co-founder of Ciclavia. We also have a wonderful collaboration for the very first time with Cirque du Soleil. They're doing this wonderful engagement where you'll be able to make uh, make your own little movie on a bicycle and send it to yourself and post it and share it with your friends. Ciclavia Pasadena takes place from 9 in the morning tomorrow till 4 in the afternoon, and the event is free. Now, if you're on the freeways right now, southbound on the Golden State at the 405, we've got a big mess. The two right lanes and the truck bypass lane are closed till further notice. That is because of a fuel spill. It's going to take quite a while to get this mess straightened out so you're really going to have to go through that interchange extremely slow it's 10:59